Welcome to Above the Fold. You got episode 11 here, and Jeff and I are jumping into three news stories that we found a mere couple hours ago. Because that's how Jeff and I roll. We have no plans. We just survive in our wits and emotion alone. Um, as a reminder, you have Jeff Baker, the data hawk, and you have me, Francis Ma, the creative beacon for all. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Please leave a review and a rating uh, or one of each. Um, all reviews are welcome. Good, medium, bad. Um, we already have a bad review. We appreciate it. We're going to work our best to kind of turn that review around. If anyone's curious, uh, our bad review simply says, nope. Yeah, big shout out to our buddy Ben124567 with your deep insights. One word, no punctuation, just nope. So I just want you to know, it's ben, all like- well, you've been heard. <laughs> you've been heard. We have both internalized and processed this feedback, and we're going to incorporate it into every podcast now. So thank you, Ben. We're going to turn that nope into a, Meh, within weeks. Exactly, yeah. Let's turn that into a positive meh. And um, it's one of our new goals at Above the Fold now. Talk to this Ben and um, see what we can do. You know, we're going to have to think about nope for a while. What where, What does it refer to? I'm sure it's something specific or whatever, but we're going to figure it out. So uh, I will be yeah. going to the beach and I'm going to have a very long walk. No music, no distractions, <laughs> and I'm going to meditate on that nope. I'm going to turn it into something real, something big, guys. Here's the thing, though. Like, it truly does. I know it truly bothers you. It says <laughs> nope. And you have no idea what it refers to. That's the glory of this thing. The kid's a genius. Ben, you're a genius. I wish I could take credit. I honestly don't know why I didn't think of it before of me leaving a review <laughs> on our iTunes page. It just said nope. I'm, um, I joke, but I really am just masking a deep pain <laughs> that I'm feeling. I, I realize with that. Humor. I realize it. And um, I absolutely want to. <laughs> We're going to talk to Ben someday. That'll be fantastic. Um, but I, it's just it's great that I know how much it bothers you. And by the way, um, everybody, we will read aloud every bad review. Yeah. That's true. We should do that. We should absolutely do that. Um, knowing that now, maybe at some point I will leave a bad review just for us. <laughs> no, maybe I won't. That's going to that's gonna tank our, uh, our ratings or whatever. Um, just as a heads up, uh, as always, we have, um, uh, we're going to talk about three topics. As I said, we scanned the news about an hour ago, so we know kind of what we're going to talk about. Um, the three topics um, are going to be described as follows. Empathy team, and prediction. Um, before we jump into that, though, special shout out to our boy Elon. We talked about him in our last episode, episode 10. Um, Jeff and I had a grand old time talking about flamethrowers, flying cars, and Mars. Um, and we decided, you know, this would start our, our I guess, second mission of, uh, of getting Elon on our podcast. Um, and we would make some sort of um, dedication to call him out on every show or close to every show. Um, Jeff had the idea of making sure we have some sort of mention of him. And so we looked at his Twitter account. And right now, about an hour ago, um, he has one, his status says naughty by nature, winking emoji, and then a link to the OPP music video. Jeff, what is your, what is your react, gut reaction to that right now? He was having a great day. There is no other way to put it. If that's if that's all you have to say to the world, you're you're doing good. You're in good shape. 
Um, and Elon, one of these days, we are going to go full Musk, Francis and I. Mm, uh, true. A la Joe Rogan, drinking scotch and partaking in medicinal legal marijuana. Which means we got to go to a I, I I have to go to a different state. But um, oh, yeah, that's, is that uh, not a, that's a good that dream. Is, I thought that was a thing out there. No, well, kind of, not really. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's I guess on on the in the books, but uh, not in our hands, so to speak. Perhaps Legally we speaking. Perhaps we edit that part out. Then. Explicit. <laughs> no, we don't contact. do that. We don't edit anything out. You know that. <laughs> <That's> um, <true. laughs> Let's jump. Let's go to our first topic. Um, our first news story comes from copyblogger.com. Headline is using empathy and connection to craft more powerful content. Um, this is written by Sonia Simone. She's the co-founder and chief content officer of Rainmaker Digital. Sonia's also got a podcast, Copy Blogger FM. Um, I subscribe to it. I haven't listened to it recently. I'm going to do that um, right when I walk, right when I go home. Um, but I'm excited to jump into this. I was telling Jeff earlier that it's kind of rare. We um, there's an article that we kind of focus on that's kind of focused on uh, on creative. Um, Jeff, when you looked at this, was it confusing to you? Were you looking at it and saying, where are my numbers? Where, where's the data? Where's my chart? Why does this not exist in this article? I, I don't have autism, all right? I, I, can, <laughs> I can process things that aren't numbers. I do have emotions, and, I, and I, I am capable of... I'm glad you have emotions. That makes me happy. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. Actually, I'm going to be a child for a minute. The first thing that caught me... <laughs> Well, not for a minute, actually, the entirety of my life I will be. And I'm going to continue to be in this moment. The first thing that caught me with this article was chief empathy officer. And it made mm. me think of all of these horrible titles that are coming out in marketing nowadays. And <laughs> the research that I did for this article was looking up lists of the worst titles that people have. And one is social media guru. All of a sudden, we've got like, Indian gurus that are working in social media, um, chief okay. visionary officer, marketing ninja, data alchemist. I guess you can call me that one. I get that. I guess that would kind of make sense. I guess I could use that. Yeah, in the growth, future, maybe growth hacker. I think you put a hacker in anything. It's it's pretty obnoxious. But my favorite one, <laughs> by far, is penguinologist. What? That's this. Yeah, that's the studier of penguins. Wow. Okay. He or she who studies penguins is a penguinologist. <laughs> well, that's not, that's a great title. That it makes is, sense. Yeah. But wait till it becomes trendy and they start adding like chief penguin growth hacker or something or <laughs> growth hacker, penguin guru, you know, just a matter of time. It starts good and then it starts going off the rails. Anyways, I digress. Um, that was my first reaction to the article. I once deemed myself vice president of tacos. Um, and then someone asked me, what does that entail? And I went into this long conversation about how I like hard tacos as opposed to soft. And part of being a vice president of tacos meant putting out that, you know, idea out there that hard tacos are superior. And that's not something I'll, I'll back down on. I, st I stumped for an employee one time trying to get them promoted to content czar. Never happened. <laughs> Yeah, Zar is yeah that actually kind of faded um, uh, out of uh, out of kind of thing. existence. So yeah, um, well there was drug Zar and um, you know whatever others are 
There were other things going on. We are veering wildly, so let's get back. Let's get back to uh, what we started here. Um, empathy, talking about voice, talking about um, you know the, how writing can kind of connect to to audiences. This is honestly something that have I, I hear about um, that I deal with on a weekly, monthly basis. Not only you know with staff, but also with clients. Um, there's always this idea of voice or tone. You know how how do you match it? Mm-hmm. How do you get that voice? from the client onto the page, um, and how are you consistent, you know? There's a lot of, um, there are some cases where it's very obvious, the client says, I want I want to sound like this, or I want to be using these phrases, and and so on. And in other cases, it's kind of like, a, it's a tight road at, ro- road back. You kind of have to figure out with the client almost, does this voice work? And if it doesn't, why? Why doesn't it work? I really um, like some of the points that she made in here, uh, specifically yeah. with voice, because she, and I think so many brands miss with this. We've talked about it before. It's having personality and sounding like a human being rather than a sterile, boring corporation. And so many <laughs> companies struggle with that so bad. And she says she would, I think at some point it's in the article, she says she would never tell a writer to pull back on their personality. And I love that. Yeah. Because, I mean, look yeah. at some of the best some of those interesting brands. Uh, here's a couple examples, actually. I just pulled up. Um, Netflix is a good one. I'm looking at mm-hmm. a Facebook post that they put up. Uh, it says, it's this woman. It's a cartoon of a woman holding a TV, hugging it longingly and crying in an all blue hues. It says, it's not really over until someone changes the password. I, I love that, <laughs> that self-realization that they know that everybody is stealing passwords and there's probably about three subscribers in the entire world to Netflix and they're all using the same passwords. I, I thought that one was great. Um, I also thought uh, there's another one, uh, a company called Patty Power. They, I'd have no idea who they are, but they've got this ad roll ad that they uh, on this article. It says, last one to mm. sign up for Patty Power account, dot, 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 is a twat in giant caps, all yellow. And there's some English looking, Monty Python looking dude looking down at a sign up now uh, button with a big red nose. And I've never heard a major corporation use the word twat in advertisement before. So yeah, that's kind of funny. But uh, she she makes a good point in her article. You can go too far. The further you go with your voice, the further you go with your humor, the more likely you are to offend certain people. So it's the only article I've read that says, A, yes, use a brand voice and use it loudly. You know, come up with a personality and use it. But B, on the other side, make sure you don't piss off your entire audience. So it was was a cool balance. And that can be hard, obviously, because by not trying to piss people off, you know, maybe you turn into something that's too bland. Whereas if you do try to have maybe too much emotion, you had an extra shot of whatever, suddenly you could offend people. And then maybe you offend too many people, and then your market's gone and you're gone and the company's, you know, out on the street. Um, I think that's what makes tone and voice so engaging and so difficult, you know, especially when both sides, the client and maybe even the writer, have different ideas of what the voice should be. Um, 
I've definitely seen difficulties when you're still trying to like search for like, how am I supposed to sound? What, who am I kind of thing? And that's kind of what it boils down to. You end up asking these like weird or even subtly asking these weird philosophical questions. Who am I as a company or what am I, how am I supposed to sound? You know, not everyone's like Netflix or um, mm. that other one. I, I can't even remember what you just said. Or even Wendy's. We've talked about Wendy's before. Patty Power. Um, these are Patty Power, right. These are the extremes. You know, they can use this type of humor and so on. Not everyone has that same personality. You know, sometimes you need to be authoritative. Sometimes you need to be the casual friend who's like a neighbor who uses 25-cent words sometimes. I mean, that's very specific. But these are the types of personalities or voices, you know, that some brands or clients want. And the trick is, you know, how do you actually boil that down to to get it on paper? Well, that's the key to the article, too. She says that you need to match your tone with the topic. So obviously you don't want um, Pee Wee Herman talking about caskets if you're a casket company. <laughs> you know, you got to you have to read the room a little bit, you know, and it's the first thing that we did. Uh, first thing that I did when I came in as uh, the director of marketing for Rafton's brand was change the voice. Everything we wrote was, according to XYZ.com, Google is going mm -hmm. to be doing this. Isn't that cool? Okay. It's like there was no personality to it. So I said, hey, look, yeah. stand up, have an authoritative voice, have have a backbone and say something declarative. Like every statement that you make, don't make it sound like it's coming from somebody else. Um, don't say according to blah, blah, blah. Read the information, get the sources, and then make a declarative statement. Make an opinion and own it. Um and it completely changed our voice and it actually enabled our writers to say, okay, you know what? I've, I've got a voice and I can use it and I can let my personality shine through. I don't have to mask it and I don't have to mute uh, my personality and I can actually, you know, bring something forth. How do you ensure, I mean, first of all, it sounds like Brafton's voice now is at least half or 75% Jeff Baker. Let's be clear. You know, I'm going to storm in there, say something authoritative this is this is it, man. This is that's you. Let's let's be honest. You after a couple craft beers, that's you. Um, <laughs> but ensuring that the writers understand that, because like in this sense, in this scenario, you're the client. You're saying mm -hmm. this is how it should be, you know. And you, I know you have a bunch of different writers that that handle Braffin.com stuff. You know, some are doing two or three articles a month, some more. Let's be honest. All of them have a different style, have a different approach, angle, so on and so forth. Um, as the client in this scenario, is it that you're just recognizing that that whatever's coming out of them is the authoritative version of them? Or is there something baseline that they're all hitting that works with Brafton.com's voice? It's a combination of both. So it's actually written into our brand guidelines that you're going to, you should use a declarative voice. Um, you mm -hmm. should use lots of visuals. You should use humor. Um, okay. So it's, it's ingrained. It's, it's like, part of it. It's part of the strategy. Um, yeah. However, the other part, and what's also in the strategy, in the brand guidelines, is to use your own creative voice. It says right there in the brand guidelines, have fun with the content. And I'm a firm believer that, yeah, you, you need to follow, you need to have some sort of similar voice. However, you need to have fun with it. And people that are having fun with what they do are always going to do better. They're going to do a little bit extra research. They're going to add a couple mm -hmm. extra little jokes. It's going to be that yeah. extra little edge that sets the piece of content over the top and makes it something memorable as opposed to something that's just getting done to get done or, you know, like a chore, having somebody mm. do something that they don't 
generally enjoy doing, they're not going to put any extra effort into it. And it's going to, it's going to show through in the content, you know, just like content that, that doesn't have a brand voice or has a bit of an identity crisis, you know, they don't know who their voice is or exactly what they want to say or how they want to say it. Um, the readers can understand that they can see that you can say, all right, these, it seems like they're kind of playing it safe. You know, they don't really have an opinion and not having an opinion is as far as I'm concerned, that's just, that's bland content. That's part of the 95% of content that doesn't do anything. That's 95% of content that's boring. <laughs> you know, talking about um, personality and the fact that, you know, that essentially brands or companies have to find themselves. This all sounds like an independent movie where the character is trying to like, they're just lost you know, and there's like this hazy, they're usually in California, they're lost. And, you know, there's an indie rock soundtrack and they're all aimlessly walking, trying to figure out who they are. Then Steve Carell shows up and everything's fine. <laughs> um, it, it sounds exact. It feels like that. It feels like we're all stuck in an independent movie waiting for Steve Carell to show up and show us the way. And he's, he's um, a chief penguinologist. Shows up. He's been, <laughs> been riding he would solo. Take that. He would absolutely, he would own that title. He would yeah, love he it. Would. I think that's a good place to stop with empathy. Um, Sonia, great article. Thank you. Um, you know what? Hey, let's uh, let's reach out and talk to each other. It'd be fun to, uh, to kind of uh, connect. Um, Jeff and I definitely liked uh, talking about emotions. So thank you. And yeah, I do have emotions now that we've can. Now, I'm glad you do. Uh, it's, you know, you're one step closer to being human. Yeah. On, to, uh, on to the second one. <laughs> so uh, another article, this is on entrepreneur.com. Um, headline, to create truly compelling content marketing, make it a team activity. And I'm excited because when we talked, when we at least kind of batted around the idea, it seemed like you had something pent up here, man. It seemed like you were ready to jump. So... I'm excited to hear um, to hear what you have to say. Feels like you're a race car in the red a little bit, so I'm, re- uh, you know, let's let's unleash you and find out. Um, this is written by um, uh, Imran Tariq, uh, co-founder and CEO of Web Metrics Group. Um, Jeff, reaction. Let's hear it, man. There's unleash two, the fury. There's there's two arguments being made in this article that I agree with. Um, okay. I'm sorry. There's there's one that I agree with, and there's one that I don't agree with. <laughs> okay. So we'll st- we'll start with the rage bait <laughs> that you put in front of me. I will leap yeah. at that. Have you ever read the Oatmeal comic strip website? You know, year uh, years ago, not recently, but yeah. Okay. There is a. We'll we'll send it out uh, in the show notes. There is uh, a comic that he created called Multiplicative Idiocy, and it's an <laughs> equation. And it says, idiocy becomes multiplicative, not additive. Two halfwits do not equal a full-witted person. They equal a quarter-witted person. One half times one half equals one quarter. And there's a comic here. It says, um, you're in a design meeting with multiple attendees, some of which make bad decisions. And you've got a bunch of thought bubbles here coming up. And one says, Dog walking drones. The other one says Bluetooth diapers. The other one says, oh, you'll like this one. Interactive taco experiences. The other one says <laughs> solar condoms. And the last one says augmented reality solar condom tacos. 
<laughs> yeah. Solar condoms. That was one of them. Solar condoms <laughs> was one of them. Yeah. So you got one person that said that the half wit says this design doesn't feel right. Times another half wit that says make the icons disruptive. And then the quarter wit person says, of course, the worst thing ever designed in a group meeting before is QR codes. <laughs> that that you know that's not wrong. That's absolutely not wrong. Um. <laughs> So it's uh, he, he describes it as troutification. So the idiocy okay. is is further multiplied by the duration of the meeting. So trying to elevate a group of halfwits by making a meeting longer is like trying to cook a trout by putting it in your underwear and running a marathon. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting it to be in the underwear nor the marathon. So that was uh, that was a happy surprise there. Side note: We probably should have called this podcast two halfwits. Probably would have been more accurate. Um, <laughs> we really should have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So long introduction. So where, where does that come into this? So long introduction. Um, I think that there are some valuable things to be said for collaborative efforts. So for example, yeah. with our, with our blog, um, my colleague and I, Lauren put together the keyword topics, the topics we want to talk mm -hmm. about. And we outline all of the discussion points that we want to cover in that because there is a very strong SEO case for doing so, writing content that is very in-depth and um, does a better job of covering whatever topic you're writing better than any of the competitors that are ranking in Google. So that's part that we do. So this is if this is a collaborative type of thing, that's part of our, that's our collaborative effort. And then we give it to the writer, which who we entrust to do whatever research they're going to do, add in their own personal anecdotes, experiences, um, humor, as we talked about before, and that's their contribution. And then we've got a graphic designer that will uh, create something very artistic that's contextual to the piece of content. So everybody does have their hands in a piece of content. And I think this works really, really well um, because everybody has something to own. When I think it doesn't work well, and I'm gonna use an example of a previous company that had what they described as a flat organization, which is okay. probably one of the stupidest ideas. It was, it was very trendy about 10 years ago, but it's also one of the stupidest goddamn ideas that have ever come out in business. It's where <laughs> they, they pretend that positions don't exist within a company. Like the CEO doesn't really exist. They're on an equal playing field as the intern. And everybody has an equal voice in making decisions. This is really, really stupid because it brings things down to the lowest common denominator. So it, it lowers the caliber of conversation to the stupidest person. So yeah, everybody also, yeah, go ahead. we knew this didn't work because Lord of the flies told us there was no way that hierarchy could have worked at all. Exactly. You know, there's always, I don't know. I'm with you, man. I, I yeah. Even, they, even like, you know, on paper, everyone's on the same. They're not, you know, I, there's always no, they're whatever. Not. First off yeah. they're they're lying to themselves and each other if the CEO really thinks they're not a CEO and they're on a level playing field with the intern. Second thing is there's a reason why people specialize in certain things. You know, there's mm. the uh, CFO probably shouldn't be having a conversation in a marketing meeting. Sorry, they, <laughs> it might marketing might seem subjective and it might seem like something that, you know, uh, your mom can do. Hey, my mom's got an idea about our marketing program. Well, yeah, it's not subjective. It's it's actually very quantitative and it's and it's very specialized. And people do things 
for a very specific reason. So I'm the problem that I have is when we have marketing meetings in a flat organization, you'd have people like the CFO saying, well, my mom saw a commercial last week that <laughs> looked like this and it were I thought it was hilarious. She thought it was hilarious. We all laughed until we peed ourselves. That doesn't work. Very, you know? very visual. Thank you. Again, yeah. Sorry for you're the big with the, you know this 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 episode you're getting the visual with some of your dialogue as opposed to mine so I can't wait to see this one. I'm painting a picture. Very, <laughs> you're painting something. I am a Da Vinci um, of peeing your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this though I, I completely understand what you're saying you know CFO going in there talking about you know a commercial he or she saw. That being said, just to play devil's advocate for a quick second, I have been in meetings where you do have someone that maybe title wise little question about why he or she is there. That being said, some of the weirdest or creative ideas do stem from weird or creative statements in some meetings. It, it's not to say that that weird or creative statement is suddenly the new idea, but it opens up this door. You know, people start talking about, oh yeah, I saw that commercial. It had this weird thing in it. And what did they say? I liked the way that sounded. You know what? I did like that one word they used. Why don't we use that? And then it's, it sets you off on another tangent, but kind of brings you all the way back to kind of what you were talking about. It doesn't always work, um, but I have been in meetings where that's happened, where the weirdest creative spark happens when someone says something random. I think there's a very, very distinct difference between having brainstorming sessions, which are extremely yeah. valuable because, yeah, yeah um, and I know I just threw stones at the intern for the last three minutes. However... Sometimes awesome ideas come from the intern because they've got an outturn, uh, uh, outturn. <laughs> they've got an outside perspective that yeah. you haven't thought of. Um, where the difference is is decision making. So the person that knows what they're doing, that's qualified, needs mm -hmm. to know when to say no to ideas. And I think everybody is entitled to an opinion, but some opinions are shit and they shouldn't be included. So that I think at that point. That's when you need to make sure that you've got your decision maker that makes firm decisions and doesn't incorporate everybody's opinion into one piece. So it turns into this weird looking Frankenstein thing that has, as we talked about before, has no weird, no clear voice and no clear direction. So that that's absolutely fair. And you're absolutely right. Like brainstorming sessions are great. They're fun. But unless someone is the anchor. Is if someone is kind of saying this is the next step, this is how we're going to move forward, or whatever business cliche we're going to use that day, um, it's going to get lost. It turns into like, great, this is a great conversation, let's move on, and then nothing happens. Um, I remember one of our, um, and I forget who, but someone told me that in every meeting you you should have, I think it's like four distinct personalities. There has to be a decision maker. There has to be someone that comes up with the idea, someone who maybe supports it, brings another kind of perspective, but then you have the other person that kind of says, well, the devil's advocate. You know, what about this? Have we thought about this? This might not work. As long as those people pop up, it should be a successful meeting in theory. I mean, this is a very generalized idea, but the point is that there is someone in that meeting that has the final say, that can draw the line and say, this is the next thing we're going to do. Let's do it. And let's say with authority and and move and move on it. You know, what otherwise, if you it, what if you don't have those guys? What if you got like four people like me with Aspergers who just want to talk about data? <laughs> you know exactly what happens. You end up alone on a Saturday night drinking beer in a corner. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs>
No, it means it you. doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go. Yeah, you, that's actually a true story. Um, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like having, you're having, you may as well be in a hall of mirrors talking to yourself and you everyone's we, nodding we t- and saying, like, <laughs> hey, that's how I wake up every morning. I've got a hall of mirrors built in my house and I just nod at myself. So it looks like there's a crowd of people giving me approval. And it, yeah, this reminds me of, of how we talked about my uh, the research project that I got published in Moz and how I was actually sitting in a bar looking up data. This is really striking deep to my core, man. That's true. I, I you know, keep keep plugging that, man. We actually haven't talked about that research since. When are you going to dive back into that research and give us uh, new numbers to kind of wrestle with? Oh, uh, the research is actually done. I just actually have to I have to write things. I have to write it. Oh man, that's gonna take that's gonna take you a while, man. Yeah, I know. Good luck. The whole creativity I, thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I no. <laughs> Do you need a new dictionary? I can get you. I can get you a new dictionary. Or you know what? An AI. I'm sure there's an AI program that can kind of at least start it for you. And hey, uh, how about shut up? <laughs> <laughs> Let me borrow your Alexa if she's not busy. Yeah, go ahead. Bring her back in the fold. Reading to your kids. You always love talking about. You always love talking about Alexa. I um, do. Let's go back to the article for at least a hot second before we move on. Um, so you pretty much said, you know, there that that I'm that was the rage bait. But what is what is the thing that you like, or was that kind of wrapped up into you know what you were uh, what you were talking about? What I really like is the idea. Well, f- for one, collaboration and people putting ideas together. So when it's done right, like we talked about with a brainstorming session, you've yeah. got this collective, you've got this intellectual capital that builds up in a room. You know, so you, like you mentioned, you get stuck in your own ideas and your own ways that, and you're not Mm going to think of things like the oddball person that you at least expected out of. You're not going to think of those ideas. And it's happened plenty of times um, in our meetings. We named this podcast for better or worse above the fold from a group collaboration session where we're just like, let's throw out a bunch of names because I'm clearly really bad at this. Um, and the name came out. So I really, really like that. And I, I think that there is something to intellectual capital and building on that. Um, I also like the idea of people owning different parts of a project, just fully mm, yeah. owning it. Like I said, we've got uh, Courtney who does our graphic design, who does a killer job. That's because she owns that. Whereas if you had something that was like a little bit more of like a socialist type of system where nobody has <laughs> any type of ownership over everything. It's like, oh yeah, you know, everyone's just talking ideas, not doing anything. That doesn't work because then you just end up with a bunch of ideas all the time and nobody actually executes. So yeah, I, th- I think there's, there are cautionary tales on both sides of this discussion. I love how we start with, tell me what you liked about it. And then you still end up back in the negative. Like, <laughs> by the way, this is the one that, this is the thing that stinks. And I don't like it at all. <laughs> you can't. You can't even stay in in the in the positive light at all, man. You got to run it all the way back to the dark side. It's fine. It's great. I love the rage bait when it shows up, and um, it's always it's always fun. I will I will end this by saying that um, I I agree with everything. I do think it's hard because unless. Unless when you walk into a room, people hand out like you are the anchor, you are the decision maker and blah, blah, blah. You are the, you are the weird person with the strange idea today. Go ahead and, and have fun. Um, you. Yeah, always, obviously. But the meetings that work well take some work and it takes 
honestly, some familiarity between the people that are in there. Um, it can't happen on a whim, you know? It, it, yeah. Collaboration is great, but collaboration is kind of like, it's almost like an earned trust. You kind of have to get used to each other. I mean, there's nothing, the other opposite thing is that when you have, maybe there is a hierarchy and you do have a decision maker, but everyone is new to everybody. You know, they're still trying to figure, because no one is at the door saying, you are the decision maker today and you are the weird question person. Um, they That happens organically and that takes time. And the best ones happen when, you know, you, me, a couple other people in the room, um, We'll have great ideas for two hours and it'll be great because we, we know we call each other out. We can say, you know what? I'm going to make this call, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it works well, but I, I do think it takes some time to be able to get to that level. As long as you're aware of the multiplicative, Ooh, that's a brutal one. Multiplicative <laughs> idiocy and troutification. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're good. And I may have to apologize to our listeners for, um, just unloading an entire PTSD therapy session on you guys. <laughs> I, I do have, I did have some, uh, some battle scars from previous companies and I've, I've yeah, got a bit clear. of the, uh, I've got the thousand yard stare whenever this <laughs> topic comes up <laughs> and you just see explosions in the background and my eyes just glazing over. Wow. Yeah, no noted. And I'm going to put that in my memory box for next time when I just want to, uh, unleash the fury of Jeff Baker. Yeah. You put that in your little box. Let's, let's I jump. Will. Moving on. Okay, the third topic. And Jeff, you're going to be doing a lot of the intro here. You found this. This was the one that I think you found a couple of hours ago. Um, headline, 80 billion SEO industry, 29 case studies and insights. Now, granted, maybe not the most compelling headline. The compelling thing is that this thing has uh, it's a long list you know, showing um, pretty much the revenue on a monthly, and it looks like some, some of it's annual, basis on um, SEO platforms slash companies. Um, worth noting, right now at least, according to you, this is the top trending article on SparkToro. Rand Fishkin's new company, Rand, as we all know, founded SEO Moz, and SparkToro is his new company. Is that right? How long has that been in existence? Yeah, so Rand founded this company, it was early in the year, so probably around February or March, March um, when he left Moz. And they, they've been putting together some free tools. Uh, one is Spark Score, and that's S-P-A-R-K Score. And it tells you, like, how much influence you have with your Twitter profile. I get a one out of 100, by the way. Um, <laughs> another tool where we found this was uh, called the Trending Tool. And it does, like, it does a really quick job for you instead of having to look through all of the publications that, a digital marketer would have to look for to figure out like what's important to read today. This will okay. build a list on a daily basis of what are the top things being talked about by the biggest influencers uh, in the field. So this is how this article came about. Side point to this as well. Um, way back in the day, Rand, I'm pretty sure it was him. He popularized the idea behind the whiteboard videos, correct? It was pretty much him in front of a whiteboard explaining something. Do I have that yeah. right? He was the whiteboard guy, yeah. And he was the was whiteboard guy for a while. The, uh, like the, I guess it would be the democratization of SEO and just kind of yeah. making it, making it accessible to everybody and making it for, uh, you know, something that everybody can understand. And that, that was the whole point of the whiteboard videos. It's making making very complex topics accessible to normal people that don't 
necessarily spend their day in data and spreadsheets all day long. Um, so yeah, he founded that company. The Mo- he founded Moz with his mom. I think it was roughly 15 years ago, something like that. And since he's moved to a company called Spark Toro. Um, and in between, uh, again, my colleague and I, Lauren, actually met him in Seattle. He was gracious enough to give us an interview. We asked him about all the tools he made with Moz and some of his thoughts on the future of SEO. And um, he was awesome. Any of you that watch uh, Brand in his interviews or any of his uh, presentations at conferences, very animated and very passionate character. Um, you would think that that's a character, but it's actually him in real life. He really is that guy um, <laughs> wearing the uh, the Hawaiian shirt or whatever, um, you know, eye-catching uh, button-up he's wearing he at the time. Had, yeah, he always he's had always, interesting outfits. He's just that guy. He's the, he's the nice guy that you thought he would be. And uh, it, was, it was really cool beating him. So shout out to Rand. Thank you again. Also, and I guess I should apologize now. Um, there have been occasions, and this was on special nights after hours at the office, where I would put Rand's videos on mute and then pretend he's saying something <laughs> <Voice> else. <over. laughs> Not related to SEO whatsoever. Vulgar voiceovers, I think, is the probably the best term I could use, most accurate term for those experiences. It could be an entire session, too. And it's, <laughs> generally, it's after about three or four scotches that we oh, man, it get was into so a bad. good vulgar voiceover. Brad, I'm not going to lie to you. If you ever listen to this, they, they were hilarious. I still cry <laughs> laughing thinking about what I said. I will never repeat them, sober anyway. Um, but it was a lot of fun. You brought a lot of joy <laughs> to our lives those nights. Um, anyway. Moving on, let's get back to this article, um, Jeff, that you found. And um, I don't know where you want to start, but there's a long list here of SEO agent, like companies and going through their their revenue. But as you and I scrolled all the way all the way down through these, um, something interesting showed up at the end. Um, I don't know if you want to go through a, all the you know I, I find found the thing at the end even more compelling than anything else. Um, but I don't know if you wanted to mention anything about the uh, the rankings first before we jump into what we found at the end. I think just that we'll send out the article to the audience and the show notes. It's basically a list of a whole bunch of SEO agencies, consultancies, and roughly how much revenue they're generating on a monthly and yearly basis. And I think the gist of the article was kind of a holy shit moment. There's mm. a lot of money in SEO. I think the title actually says 80 billion. Is that right? It's 80 billion. It's 80 billion Eight. SEO industry. Uh, and right, right or wrong, I don't know. It's a big number. It caught my eye. It's the top trending thing, probably because it's a huge number and it catches everybody's eye. Um, well, it's a, it's a huge number, but it, it also qualifies itself by saying no one's actually done this research. Funny enough, a little bit of kind of what you did with, with your article from a couple months ago, you dove into something that no one else had really kind of had any time or inclination to do. They're claiming the same. And um, the, uh, the revenues range from like, I think it's 4,000 a month to upwards of 60, 70 million a year uh, with, another, with another company. And it was it's interesting to kind of to kind of see the the difference and, and and what that is. It's a long read, but um, it's an interesting scroll all the way down. Um, which brings us to the thing at the bottom. For whatever reason, it says uh, it is now the pretty much the, the main article is over, and this thing reads: unpopular prediction. Google will limit prominent SEO software providers from crawling their search results. Boom. In a weird way, this is another jab at you, Jeff threatening homelessness saying it's, that wow man this 
this isn't going to exist someday. <laughs> no one's going to have data because Google's going to shut it down. It's it's kind of scary. And if you think about it, we've we've really all put our eggs digital marketers. I mean, this that's not just me. This is you too, because you're creating content that ideally is going to get found on Google. That's why we're all here. Everyone uses the Google is, is becoming like a collective intelligence. It's, it's kind of like the, mm, what did you call it? Did, did you ever see that movie AI, Artificial Intelligence? I did. With, uh, Haley Joel. Haley Joel, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you remember the uh, the part where there was like this collective intelligence with uh, Robin Williams and he talks to him and he, he knows everything in the universe, basically, and you get to ask him a question and he answers it? I actually kind of forgot Robin Williams was in that. But um, anyway, the, the scene is kind of ringing. Pour one out for right my now. boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's basically what we've done is we've created a collective intelligence and it's it's becoming somewhat of an AI, maybe, I guess, a weak AI. It's it's not a general AI. Um, however, it is a collective intelligence that we're feeding into and we are putting all our eggs in that one basket. Every one of us that's in digital marketing, um, especially those that are working in agencies, we are all completely reliant. And almost like implicitly expecting that Google's going to always be there and always going to take care of us. Because without them, or uh, even more scary, if they decide to change the rules on us, um, we're all screwed. You're right. Our, our, our professional lives are wrapped up into this. And not me, but you, you do live and die off this data. And suddenly if this stream of data is cut off, and you're not even allowed to see anything, and Google continues on maybe changing, refines and stuff and, and, and everything, how do you survive? How do you even have a job? How can we go to you to tell us, you know, this is what the data means and this is what to do when you have no idea because Google's not even letting you, you know, peek under the hood, so to speak. Uh, um, you're, you're talking about these as if they're two different things, like your world and my world, but they're actually fully connected. Right. Because I can still write, make vulgar voiceover videos yeah. <laughs> and still survive. That's my that's my plan B. I'm if you fine. get the nerve, if you get the nerve to do that, <laughs> record it and email it to Rand, I will send you a bottle of Macallan. No, that's not even worth it. That's, I, come on. He's a nice guy. That's not yeah. fair. That's absolutely not fair. <laughs> You're right. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. No. He you doesn't. don't deserve him. Either. I'm the jerk for doing it. I completely. I completely recognize that. <laughs> I'm also not going to deny that. I'm still giggling about it now. So. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. From uh, a content marketing site, anybody that creates any sort of content for a website, you are relying on Google, and you're implicitly expecting that Google's going to be around. And they're going to continue to index your content. Without Google, what is the point of you writing content? Where's it going to go? What if Google one day decides we've got enough information cached? Um, we don't need you anymore. All we need is um, news that we can get through AI, right? Um, there's no longer any need for you guys, right? I, the point that I'm getting here is that we are reliant on Google and we're hoping that they don't just change the rules on us and say, hey, we don't need your content anymore for whatever reason, whether that's through AI or they've got some new technology or they just decide to go into an entirely new business. Um, you and I are both relying on them. I'm relying on them for gathering data and the things like uh, that SEM Rush uses, the Moz uses, um, search volume, all that stuff. Uh, 
indexing pages, all whatever. And you're reliant on them to take your content and populate it in search results. The fact, I mean, the fact that we're all reliant on Google, let's go back to like the prediction of this article saying that, you know, they're assuming that one day Google's going to crack down. Do you think that's possible? Do you think there's some, some worth, some value or worth or, you know, rightness involved with this, with this prediction? Is it possible you think that one day Google will crack down on people tracking search results? They could. I don't know. I mean, if they found... I mean, what is the advantage? I mean, if you're Google, consider yourself Google, you know, massive, massive brain, all, all the uh, data it wants and blah, blah, blah. What is the advantage of them not allowing people to track their results? Uh, partnerships, possibly, like this article alluded to. Um, mm. What if they had preferred vendors that were the okay. only ones allowed to... To, and then you have to uh, work with them. Scrape their data. And you have right. to, yeah, you have to work with them. And then Google, hey, guess what? They've got a new revenue stream, another mm. revenue stream, right? I mean, that's a possibility. I have to wonder now, I mean, are we talking about, is this too much of a, you know, is it antitrust laws get thrown in here? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting in waters I don't even understand. Um, regardless, it was interesting to consider that one day Google might you know, even cut this off and maybe create a new revenue stream and so on. The one thing that rings in my head, and I think this was from the book In the Plex, which I think talked about um, the early days of Google, at least it alluded or it, it did some sort of history of Google within the book. Um, and one of the, the first things that they all, like the founders all talked about was don't be evil or, you know, can't be evil. And some people maybe cynical people might say they've long abandoned that, you know, citing various examples of, you know, doing this or not doing this, even their step into advertising could someone could make an argument, you know, well, now it's not really about search anymore. Is it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, thinking about like what this would mean if they did cut off, you know, search, search tracking for people, do they just set up their own shops? But I don't know. This is like sci-fi stuff, man. I don't know. It sounds that there's a scare, There could be a scary side to this. There could not be. Um, it was interesting to evolve. I didn't expect to see that at the bottom of this article. I'll say that. Um, and it was it was interesting to kind of like wade in it a little bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of a scary topic. It's like I said, we are all just banking. We're all t taking a bet. We're all betting on Google being around and by playing and playing by the same rules that they've been playing by before. And we're kind of not. And actually, um, you know, bringing Rand back up, there's a presentation he did recently that I went through and he shows all of the ways that Google has been changing and pulling clicks away from organic articles, um, doing it through all kinds of different ways. You know, one, one way is those answer boxes, right? So, uh, the, and the data boxes. So if you say, mm. you know, uh, what is the historic, what is the historical population of Boston? Um, you might get a data box that's pulled from sources from people that did the hard research on websites into Google. So you never actually leave Google. So they're, they're getting free information. Um, so we're, we're losing that, um, ads, people are, you know, they're becoming less and less obvious what's an ad and what's not an ad. Um, so the rules of the game are changing. They're pulling clicks away from organic results. So if they've changed those rules, who's to say they won't change other rules 
You know, what if it keeps moving that direction? What if they create the robot that takes over all our lives? Maybe. Oh, God, here we go again. (laughs) Uh, On that note, um, we should probably uh, shove off and call it a day. Um, Although before we leave, I talked about my plan B in terms of vulgar voiceovers. Uh, What's yours? You know, life, uh, life in the data world goes away. What is your plan B, Jeff Baker? Well, you know, I I came from uh, probably chopping wood. Fishing or chopping wood. That's, it's kind of natural to me. I'm, I'm getting a fairly long beard over here. Um, everybody knows me. Comes I, I knows that I come from the boonies. Not a city guy. Uh, probably better suited not interacting with many people. So, yeah, probably somewhere out in the woods. So, hermit. You pick hermit as plan B yeah. with X. Digital right. marketing, going to conferences, <laughs> podcasting, uh, publishing, and then I'll just go straight 180 into the fields, into the woods, full hermit. Okay. Well, if that day ever comes, I will I will seek you out, maybe interact with you, maybe not. I'll at least take a picture, but I'll seek you out. I'll promise you no, that. No, I've become a hermit for a reason. Don't seek me out. <laughs> See, now I just, See now, now the fact that I can't seek you out, I, now I want to even more. So, tough. <laughs> You will be found, Hermit Baker, and uh, you will be exposed. Because <laughs> because my plan C then is just have a tabloid newspaper. We'll bring that back because then computers will be gone if we can't search. And we'll just go back to the 1920s where, uh, you know, we just have people yelling about the headlines. Damn kids with their damn, damn TV. <laughs> ah. uh, all right. On that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. We're at episode uh, 11, as I said. I, I always smile the fact that we've hit double digits in terms of episodes. It's uh, exciting. And um, here's uh, here's episode 12. We hope, fingers crossed, to have a guest uh, on board, to have a third voice in this party, as opposed to just me and uh, Mr. Baker's over there. Um, we'll see how it goes. But um, thanks as always. Seek us out on uh, above the fold at brafton.com. If you love email, if you love uh, Twitter, you can see Bea Jeff at Baker Rhythms. And that's underscore, right? Between Baker and the misspelled rhythms. That is correct. <laughs> now you get a um, kick out of that? I constantly. I don't even want the story anymore. I kind of like the hermit story better. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm not very active or good at it but (laughs) you're not good at twitter how do you be good at twitter oh god i don't know best twitterer ever i don't know but i'm bad at it i just follow people i am attempting to be better once i'm better i'll tell everyone my handle but for now it's just sad so anyway thanks all and uh we'll see you in the next one see ya